Today's anecdotal experience is sponsored by Amazon.com. Blah blah blah, but. What's up with y'all? How you been lately? How's your dad? How's your relationship with God? Are you maintaining a healthy work-life balance? Answer me. I'm the only one interested in your life. I was thinking about this. When I first started doing this podcast, I there was one time I spent an hour and 20 minutes recording the intro. Not like it was super long, but I redid it so many times because I was I was like, oh, I messed it up. That was dumb. I did a stupid thing. Now, I might do two. I might do two if I feel like I said something offensive. And even a lot of those times, I'll just leave it in because I'm that lazy. Things have changed. I'm a different person. Don't listen to the early episodes because you'll realize I was flawed and I said a lot of dumb stuff. Today's guest, Dan Remington, been on the podcast before, been on some of those earlier ones. Go listen to Dan's episodes after this one. Today, Dan and I talk about reality of doing something you fantasize about, taking the risk, trying something new, and realizing that there's a lot of freeze frames of you being miserable in these risks you take, but you have these fantasies of grandeur. It's gonna make sense. Y'all love me. And you probably love Dan Remington. Let's do this right now. Kiss me. I don't know, man. I don't know. I can't. What's a bad thing? I can't speak for you, dude. But yeah. I, I know for me, I've like come to terms with the fact that I'm not like I'm not one of the good guys. You know what I mean? Like I don't have this. <laughs> like I'd be a terrible cop. Like if someone like bribed me with like half a million dollars i'd be like okay you can go you can get away right you're free like i want yeah. that money i don't care about justice yeah i maybe that is that's that's maybe one of the most enduring truths is that everyone ultimately does have a price maybe we're not maybe none of us are actually good guys we all have a price Right. that would outweigh the ramifications. So ultimately, we don't care. <laughs> we, we, if ramifications didn't exist, then it's just, uh, uh, what was that movie where they, The Purge? <laughs> yeah, dude. <laughs> I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I think the only thing that would keep me from not taking bribes would be like getting caught and going to jail. Would be just ramifications. Like, you know, my just deserves. <laughs> like, that's the only thing. Everything else, I'm like, yep. yeah, dude, I'd go for it. Like, risk reward. You got to take it, man. <laughs> Smart. Yeah, dude. I think, yeah, once I, like, kind of became not a Christian and, like, analyzed my whole moral, um, you know, what my what my morals are and what I believe is, you know, right and wrong. And I, I've, like... At the moment, I don't, I don't really like believe in right and wrong. I think it's just everyone's kind of doing their own, what they think is best. And like a lot of times people think one person taking care of themselves is evil or taking care of their family is like wrong. You know what I mean? It's just like, there's always two sides of it, you know? Yeah. It's a, it's a little bit dirtier than that. What, what is funny though, it, you, you're reminding me of like a common, 
I, I think it's funny. It's like this common thing that atheists say when Christians often say, like, well, if there wasn't a God, frankly, I'd be out stealing and killing. Right. And and then they, I, they always say something along the lines of, um, well, like, is that the only thing keeping you from doing all these evil things? Yeah. This is what's inside you? Because somehow the rest of us are holding it together. And... Uh, with, without an idea of God or, or like some sort of objective base of morality. But I think that speaks to even atheist um, general concept of like a base sense of morality, for lack of a better term, right? Yeah. They're acknowledging like we're all keeping it together. And by together, they mean we're not killing people that we don't like or that we're really angry at. And we're not stealing things because we would rather not pay for them. Yeah, I don't know, man. Like, it's um, it was definitely something growing up in like Christianity was like the sentiment of like obviously having sex before marriage is awesome. Obviously, mm-hmm. stealing is awesome. Obviously, drinking alcohol is like the greatest, but you can't do it because you're a Christian. And yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, do you remember how <laughs> do you remember how like the best parts of stories of speakers that would come to our school were because uh, we went to a Christian school and the speakers that would come when they would have these uh, testimonies, the best parts of the stories were before they got saved and they were like out having sex with women and going to rock and roll shows and snorting cocaine. Yeah. <laughs> and we were all on the edge of our seats. Like then what? <laughs> tell us more describe in detail yeah they always they always made it kind of sound like uh, this is the way i remember they always made it sound like i was so miserable i was so lost in my ways you know i wasn't good i'm like dude you're having a good time like you're enjoying yourself don't (laughs) lie (laughs) you know like but they always like painted it i don't know do you remember that they'd always like paint it as this like darkness and it's like no you willingly did it you liked it it was good but then like the ramifications came and uh you know you it brought you to god so right right but it's all kind of the same thing the ramifications are the darkness like a heroin addiction probably is really cool while you're doing heroin but most of doing heroin is pretty awful yeah yeah i know it's it's tough, but I feel like people are definitely, at least when we grew up, are way more deceptive about, or they're just not really being real. They're just like, here's what I'm supposed to say to you kids, and don't do this, and, you know, I'm the prodigal son. Like, it just, it was so, imagine someone coming in and saying, like, yeah, heroin's really great, um, I really enjoyed it. But, uh, you know, it was a dependency. I got really sick. It was really bad. I think about doing heroin. I'm finally clean. I found a passion, you know. But doing heroin's fun. You know, if they're just honest with it, not, like, super heavy-handed, and we're just like, hey, maybe don't do it because I've seen lives get ruined, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I think they're they're aiming for the same goal that both of those figures would be headed for, which is don't do things that are ultimately destructive to your life. But one is don't do them because God cares. And one is don't do them because you will have a worse life 
Yeah, but I mean, even from the standpoint of just more, more just nuanced than that. If they were just really honest with, like, a lot of times it's like, wow, God, I had a road to Damascus moment, and now it changed me, and I'm different now. But if people were just to be more honest and say, yeah, you know, I just kind of decided, like, I want to not die at 24, you know? <laughs> and they, you yeah. know, and they're just like, yeah, it was cool. Everyone's just so, dude, everyone's so into their own story. Yeah, but I, doesn't it feel, I mean, don't we kind of have to take them at their word if that's their story? Do you ever find yourself wishing that you had some road to Damascus moment? Are you like, have you ever been jealous of somebody that has some sort of like dramatic conversion story and now they're so confident in it because of, because it was their experience? You mean like a religious epiphany? Uh, sure. Yeah. Um, no, dude, honestly, I think I'm just too cynical at this point. Yeah. I think I kind of see it for what it, you can have revelations, but I think I just, I don't know, dude. I just don't, I think it's all kind of anything supernatural that you kind of have a, an epiphany about. Uh, right. I just can't, I don't know. I think it's a little bit of you becoming delusional. So I don't even see it as like, wow, I envy that or I wish I had that. Because I'm like, uh, you're, it's like wishing I was crazy, to be honest. Yeah, because you, you're hearing the story and starting to poke holes in it and thinking, uh, that was most likely a coincidence or right. Uh, I think you were seeing the light of a helicopter. <laughs> exactly, exactly. It's all kind yeah. of whatever it is, even if it did happen. I'm still like, dude, coincidences happen, man. Like, it's it's the definition. The, it's you know, It could have been God, but ultimately a lot of times I'm like, well, why did God save you there? Like, why did God intervene here for you? You know, like when it's like sure. God doesn't intervene anywhere ever most of the time, then suddenly he picks you. It's another thing. I think it's a narcissism thing. You, it's, you really believe like, yeah, but God's looking out for me. It's like all those other people God doesn't care about, but I'm special. So he saved me. <laughs> With the helicopter light. Yeah. Do you wish that? I don't know the answer. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I do. You wish, um, you want to see God? Yeah. I think so often I, uh, because I, I, I don't know. It's, I, I doubt a lot of things and, and can't really understand a lot of things and it, and it feels like it would be so nice to just uh, get assurance in, in just like this undeniable way, you know? You know, dude, we've talked about this before and I, and I, I, you, you said to me, you were like, my goal is by the end of the year to kind of like <laughs> know what like know what God is and like know the truth. And I was just like, dude, it's not, you will not get there, man. You are too. If you're the person that's genuinely curious, curious and genuinely trying to find God, 
you will not find him. You're not that special, Dan. No one has found God. No one knows the answer. Like you, you can, you know what I mean? Like you're, I'm sorry, but you're not the type of person. You're not the type of person that's going to become, have a road to Damascus, man. I don't think you are. I think you're too curious. You are too cynical. I don't see, I don't see it happening for you. Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, I, I think often about how you, in that moment, you like called me out and were like, that is unrealistic. Um, this, this will likely be like a process for the rest of your life. Uh, and I, I definitely have come to terms with that. Um, I will say though, what you're saying is definitely, you're saying it like it's objective truth, but it's, it's definitely one worldview like what you're saying, no one found God. That is the thing to say if you believe that there's no God. I mean, somehow there's millions, no, not even millions. There's billions of people that believe in God and believe that they have found God. I think, I guess what I, what I am, you're right. And what I'm saying is you're not a, you're not a person that's okay with not having all of the answers. I think there's enough mystery. You know what I mean? I don't think you're comfortable. I think you're going to have a hard time because I don't think you have that. You, you have the brain that asks questions. You're curious, man. A, a lot of people, I think they come become content, not asking the questions and not turning over rocks. Um, right. So yeah, in some case, maybe you do find your answers and maybe you find something that you're content with and you can call truth and you can call God um, and it gives you that satis- satisfaction as if the mystery is solved. Maybe, maybe, I don't know. But I'm saying, you're right, there are people that have found God. Um, I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know if you will. Your advice to me is to relax um, you know, dude, that's my advice for most people is it's all it relax and be grateful, man. Like whatever, whatever brought you here, brought you here and you got a pretty cool life, man. Um, you know, you got people you love in your life and every day is a blessing. So yeah. why you got to know who specifically God is? Yeah, yeah, life is great. I do that a lot. I think that a lot. What, good. what do you, what do you imagine this road to domestic moment being like for you? Like, I'm, I'm not trying to be dumb or anything. Like, honestly, if you were to imagine it kind of happening, what would be the context? Uh, I don't, I can't say I could answer that question. Um, because I think that a lot of things, that would happen to me, I would ultimately say, well, I was clearly hallucinating because I was short on sleep or someone slipped something in my drink. Um, but I, you know, I, I raised this, just like a, a funny anecdote. I was raising the same issue um, to someone else a while back and they pointed out that, um, there are several times in the Bible where 
Jesus performs these like amazing miracles and the people decide not to believe him. They're like, well, that can't be right. Um, something must be wrong. And all throughout the book, the Bible's full of stories of people like God coming down and like slaying a sheep in front of them or like coming in the form of fire and, and like doing something crazy. And so many times the people walk away thinking uh, that must have been something weird. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like not God. Yeah, maybe, man. Maybe that's me. Maybe God could, some guy could perform a miracle in front of me on the street and claim he's Jesus Christ. But dude, how many people, how many people, if there was like kind of a ratty looking dude, let's say like kind of the Christian evangelical environment we grew up in. All right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's like kind of like a ratty looking dude. He was kind he wasn't exactly like a churchy looking guy, not even like a new agey, like bearded weird haircut Christian, like just like kind of gross, kind of like a grungy homeless guy that swore and like was nasty, but he was straight up performing miracles. I feel like most Christians would be saying the same thing because it's not their expectation of Jesus. They're like, well, that guy's like weird and dirty and he swears a lot and he probably has premarital sex or AIDS or something like that. So there's no way he's cheese. You know what I mean? Like, so I, I agree. I, I don't know. I'm sorry. I don't know what my point is here, but I'm, I'm just trying to say, yeah, you're right. And I may see that and I may be like, yeah, that's some Chris Angel shit. But I, I don't know, man. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Then I'm not saying I have the answer. I'm just saying, and yeah. you're, I, I definitely might not see, I might not believe someone that does a miracle. I don't know, man. Yeah. I would say I'm definitely compared to that moment uh, that we had a few years ago where you told me I was never going to have it figured out when I was confident I was going to have it figured out in a year. I will say I, I've definitely come a long way. I'm definitely way more comfortable with some nuance and, and like being able to hold doubt and like look at it and, and be okay that it might be my companion my whole life. Yeah. Embrace. I feel that's, I mean, I'm the same, man. I have that too. It was just, I'm going to embrace it, man. Like I'm just, you know what? I have these doubts. I have these feelings. Um, I'm going to wipe the slate clean. I'm going to wipe it and say, you know what? I don't believe in any of this because I honestly, I don't, can't claim anything as true. So now I'm just kind of like, I have my doubt. I have my observations. I have my own moments and that's what feels good to me, man. That's what like brings me peace is just like, fuck what anyone else says to me about what's true. And I don't, you know what I mean? Like, I don't care. I'm here and I have this life. I'm going to just take my own notes, man. Yeah. What's been your, um, what like, what like truths have you found in your life? Like what sort of, not even like, just like, I, cause I feel like I've had road to Damascus moments in my life, but they were irrelevant from like the meaning of life and God's, you know, and, and God, but they were just moments I had that were, I found some real truths. But, uh, what, what have you, even in the, within the last year of, you know, us having that conversation, what have you kind of, what sort of like truths have you found in your life to be like, that's, that's gotta be something to why we're all here. 
Oh man, that's a good question. I don't know if I have a great answer locked and loaded. Yeah, I think, no, it's okay. I mean, I think that the one thing that I, I think that I've realized more and more is that it's something that a lot of people I think are, are kind of holding deep down. Um, what I mean by that is uncertainty about why we're all here. I think lots of people do. You think they are, they're, they're feeling like they want to know and they're confused about it, but they're uh, like repressing something. Yeah. Maybe not willing to look right at it. Yeah. Um, and other people are like, I, I, uh, we haven't, I haven't been in town for a long time, so I haven't gone, but when, when we were living in town, I was going to this Presbyterian church and they, uh, one thing I really appreciated about it is that they would kind of like address doubt all the time and not in this way, like pound it down, don't look at it, run away. It was just kind of this, like, this is a thing we can hold and look at and like, what, what do we think about it? Um, what do we do with it? What does it mean? Um, and I really liked that. I really appreciated it. Yeah. There's, we, we were brought up in an environment with not a lot of nuance and uh, even in like what the lessons of the Bible might have for us, even then there wasn't any nuance. It was just exactly how they told you it was. That's, that's the lesson. Um, but I, I think that that's kind of a misleading way of looking at it. Yeah. Yeah. I know it's, it's scary though, man. It's scary. Like for our parents when the idea of like hellfire, you know what I mean? If there's any sort of thought that like they're going to raise you in an environment, if there's any sort of thought that they non-Christians go to hell, they're going to be like, well, we better err on the side of caution and do our best to keep our child out of eternal suffering. So they're not, you know what I mean? They're less likely to take you to a church. That's like, I don't know, man, it's sometimes, I don't know what's true, you know, like if there's any, if you do, you know what I mean? If there's the idea of you do have doubt, then you're not actually a Christian, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I think there's, I think there's nuance there and I like it. See, that's, that's what I'm talking about, dude. It's, I like it. It's, Oh, I don't have the answers, and that's not scary to me because it's it's more freeing, you know. Yeah, I think one thing that I I like a caveat I should give is that I I think in my pessimism or my skepticism, I also totally see that like this the other side of it is like this grinding down of all the religions into like it's just about spirituality, man. It's just about like whatever God means to you, man. That also should be recognized as a worldview that like, even though it presents as nuance, it almost doesn't, it like has the same amount, like the same lack of nuance that like strict religions have because it is a worldview. It is an idea about what God is. Yeah. 
yeah it's it's specific in its own vagueness <laughs> yeah i i remember thinking this the other day how um modern christians are expected like it's cool kind of in this in this age of like progressivism it's cool to say like oh that's fine you have your religion i think it's so important for people to find their spirituality and their religion but what uh where that line stops where they're no longer cool with your religion is when you say my religion is the one religion and I think it's important that you pay attention to it. Uh, like that's kind of the thing that's become un- unacceptable. It's religion's okay now. Like we're kind of coming back to this, like our oh, religion's like, that's great that you find meaning in community in your church. But if you're like, I really do. And also I believe that it's the only religion to find salvation. And people are like, well, that's not cool. Don't share that. Yeah. Don't push that. But dude, keep in mind that that, person is pushing on you a very specific worldview yeah this is what i do in my head i i don't know that's i I do it all the time just everybody everybody's got an angle and everybody is representing something that lacks a lot of nuance and uh it's all a worldview it's all a very specific belief and we're all pushing it on each other yeah I know it is, but I think a lot of times we're, and we've talked about this. I'm glad we're doing it on the podcast, but it's that like, why does it, it, you're like a lot of times anyone, if someone's trying to convince you to be a Republican, if they're trying to convince you to be a Christian, if they're trying to convince you to do this or that, or go eat sushi, if you haven't eaten sushi before, do yoga, it's their own if they're trying to convince themselves that this new lifestyle, this new diet, this new, this vacation they're going on, this juice cleanse, it's not, I don't, I really don't think it's necessarily about the person being convinced, but I think it's about the person doing the convincing, trying to convince themselves, because if they can convince you, maybe they're right. Here's the thing about, all of this, like everybody representing a total lack of nuance and, and claiming ultimately some sort of like objective reality and objective truth is that one does have to be right, doesn't it? One has to be right. Dude, no. And this is, <laughs> this is something I've been talking about with a lot of people. Like the longer I live and the more I see and the more situations I've been in and the more perspectives I get from other people in different places, in different positions, I've realized the person that I've, I think I've honestly just become overly empathetic to the point where I'm like, there's no right and wrong, man. Any situation you're in, you feel wronged, you feel scorned, you feel like someone screwed you over, you feel like you got the bad end of the deal. I'm now on, or you know what I mean? Like you're the good guy in the situation. I've come to terms with the fact that it's like, no, I'm just Joey. I'm not necessarily the good guy. Like, I'm just in the situation, and I feel like I got the short end of the stick. Like, I, I don't, I really, like, a lot of times people are very comfortable screwing people over that they don't know to protect the ones they love, you know? And I just, I don't think there's right and wrong, man. I think everyone's kind of, like, looking out for their own 
um, and has different people in their best interests. And like even like politicians and stuff, they're they're trying to take care of their people, man. They're not necessarily looking out for the greater good. I'm not trying to go in that direction, but a lot of times like politicians screw over the masses because they're looking out. They do love people and they are empathetic people, but they want to protect the people they love and fuck the people that they don't even know, you know? Yeah, I think, yeah, I don't know. That's not for me. I think it's a very cynical way. It's a very like Ayn Randian way of assuming people's nature that I don't think is totally right. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, man. I just, I, I, I see it for, I don't know. I guess I just see all sides of the coin, you know, and... Yeah. I don't know. I just, I don't Everyone, even like Donald Trump and stuff, like I still see what he's doing and like what he's looking out for and what his agenda is. And to most of us, we're like, well, that's the wrong thing to do. But to him, it's, it's the right thing. It's the noble thing. It's the, you know, it, so even with, um, like, I'll take an example, like, um, Syrian refugees, right? Yeah. Um, Syrians have a very different culture than we do, right? Um, there's there's uh, a lot of stuff in their culture that they do that doesn't fly in America, right? So I do understand. <laughs> I'm very understanding of people that are very keep the refugees out. We got to keep them out. They don't play by the rules in America. I don't want them here. I want them gone. I don't. I'm not a racist, but they. They get into my life. They affect my family. They threaten my life. Not even threaten my livelihood, but they, let's just say threaten my family's safety, you know? Um, yeah. Let's say that. They've had, uh, I mean, I'm not saying this is me. I've never, I've never even encountered a Syrian refugee, but I understand from the standpoint, like, I get, I get why people are racist, you know? I get why they come around to that point. Like, even if someone's racist, I don't necessarily think they're a bad person. I think something brought them to that point in their life, probably a lot of pain that made them feel like this particular race is out to get me and is causing problems. You know, I I don't look at it as like, they're just trying to be mean. I think a lot of it, the lot of racism and prejudice comes from a place of really bad things that happened to them, you know? Yeah. I think that, in general, that that level of empathy and understanding is something that's needed more. I I mean, maybe in that specific example, I think there are examples of racism that are just passed down through cultures. You're raised to have prejudice against other people. Um, but I do, it's, it's been great traveling over the course of the last year and a half and like living in a lot of places that were very different politically from what we were used to because I, I did get the opportunity to make friends with people that were dramatically different from most of my friends and understand that they were people that were just trying to do their thing and they were voting for and believing in the things that they, that that they thought were going to be good for them that's it. And, and kind of like much in the same way that I do. (laughs) Yeah. You're both trying to get to the same point, but you just have different 
you you would just believe different things that the road to you know utopia is two different ways right yeah yeah it's we we view people that believe differently than us as like an inconvenience like uh it's that it's just it's frustrating and it's frustrating that they're so stupid and it's so angering that they can just be so off track and not be enlightened like me, but they're thinking the exact same thing about you because they've come to their reasoning through much the same ways that you have. <laughs> they feel pretty confident in, in how they think because they've come to the reasoning or like their, their beliefs and political preferences through experience. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, no, and it's, it's, I mean, it's an example of that is, you know, I go back to church and people see me as a lost soul, you know, they see me as someone, they, they see like, look at, look at poor Joey Bertoft, like, you know, he's out there, he's lost, he's not going to church, he's not reading his Bible, he doesn't really know what's going on, he doesn't, you know, he's a lost soul, like, and he's desperate and sad, you know, yeah, that's their perspective on me, and they pity me. Um, or even, I mean, let's make it, I mean, even to bring, I don't want to like Christian bash or anything, but even something, let's take marriage, dude. Let's take dating, having a wife, girlfriend, people in like my grandpa, my, some of my family and a lot of people, they're like, they get bummed out when they hear I don't have a girlfriend or I don't have a fiance. It's just this, like, they have this like genuine, like poor Joe, he's sad. He's really lonely. And it's and from my perspective, I love my life, man. It's yeah. uh, but from what they see, they're just like, no, yeah, he says that, but he's really a sad man. Yep. Uh I remember talking to you about this a couple of years ago, but for a long time I was kind of holding this view, this like I don't know, kind of a lower view of people that stayed around in our small hometown and like built their life there mm-hmm. that we graduated with or that we knew growing up. And I had made a visit back there and was hanging out with them. And in that moment realized, Oh, <laughs> this, I was viewing it through my lens. I found it, depressing because it would be depressing for me, but they are so happy. They honestly are more content than me. Yeah. <laughs> Here I'm like, I'm wandering around the country trying to like find the best place for me and like, what's going to make me content and happy in, in a career and whatever else. And they just, they're just content and rested. And I, I don't know. That was a good moment realizing I'm seeing things just through my lens. What I think is right for people isn't right for all people. It's just right for me. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, when I see that, I, I'm, I stay out of everyone's way, man. I do, I do, I don't give anyone advice. I don't give them tips unless it's solicited. Then I'll try to help you out. If you really want my advice about something, I will, I will tell you, I will tell you about my own experience, but I don't, if, if I guess I get tired of people that are discontent 
and aren't satisfied with their life trying to tell me how to fix mine. You know, if someone is content, you know, maybe they live in our hometown, right? And they really Uh enjoy their life. Those people, dude, they're not going to tell me how to live my life. They're not going to say, oh, Joe, I'm so happy. They don't need to tell me they're happy. They've figured out what works for them and they're just going to stick with it. Um, Uh You know, it's... So I, I, I guess I just get tired. I don't know. It's and a lot of times it is with the wife and like the wife girlfriend family thing. It's this. It gets annoying, man. It really does. It's this. I don't know. I mean, you had it back in the day. Remember when people would tell you when you would you, you maybe you're just not having like you're dead. You're fine. You know, you got the. You're, nothing's bad's happening, but you would have your face and you weren't necessarily smiling. This was back in high school, but people would be like, Dan, you mad? You look mad, man. Are you okay? Are you doing all right? And then that would make you mad. So then yeah. you would get mad because, because I have that, it's, that's what I have. I have this like, I'm not, I'm, I'm upset now because I feel like you're pitying me and treating me like I'm, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? No, I get it. I do. I'll have you know too. I I stick up for you. I I still get questions about for, on your behalf whether you are seeing someone or not. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure they're probably I, yeah. I I always say, you know, I think he's really content just doing exactly what he's doing. <laughs> and I'm sure they're like, no way. He's sad. He's a sad, lonely <laughs> man. He, if he's anything like me, which he must be. <laughs> All I know is my own experience. <laughs> is everyone's experience. Yep. Yeah. It's, yep. Yeah, I know. But we're, you know, like, like you said, man, you're guilty of it too. You look at people in our hometown and you're like, oh, you poor sad motherfuckers who never had the courage <laughs> to leave, you know? But it's like, no, dude, they just figured they liked it and they're going to stay, you know? Yep. Or even, yeah, small towns. We, we just, uh, we were just living in a town called Sholo, Arizona for three months. And it was a, it was a boring place, man. It wasn't cool. Uh, and the people were like kind of racist and yeah. it, it was a strange place. Um, but, <laughs> everyone in Solo thought it was cool. Yeah. And I never tried to convince them otherwise. And I never held it against them for thinking it was cool because I realized, like, good for you. If you think this is cool, like, that's great for you. Um, it's not for me. It's very boring and stupid. <laughs> yeah. Any place where, like, when you ask what is there to do for fun and they say like four wheeling, that's dumb, man, because four wheelers in themselves are the fun. That's like saying what's fun to do around here, a trampoline. Right. And that was Shola for sure. That was, there was one other place we lived too, Moses Lake, Washington, um, where every time you'd ask what the, it was fun to do, they'd say, like, jet skiing. <laughs> they'd say, well, the jet ski is fun, I believe you. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. I don't know, man. But, yeah, it's, it's the 
if they're if that's what they say and they're like hey man this place is cool i like to jet ski i can jet ski here i love my life like you're not gonna be like no 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 no, no. listen you don't like your life here's why your life's bad like imagine doing that yeah. you think the biggest asshole like dude yeah. and you actually convince someone they're like you know what dan you're right and now i'm discontent with my existence yeah thank you and i did it i i did it successfully yeah no i agree it's it's while it's not fun for me because i don't own a four-wheeler or a jet ski you're right that that was that was my takeaway was that it's it's cool that people like this place <laughs> because we are it's crazy how different we all are and that some people make an entire life in Cholo, arizona good for them yeah. Yeah. Don't, I don't know. And I, I was thinking about this with my, with my dad and I think we've both like become very content with not trying to change each other and be in embracing each other for what we are, you know? Um, yeah. it, I don't know. I, honestly, I feel like it was around the same time. We both kind of realized that like we're different people that both like our lives and both love each other. So a lot of these like conversations we get into were just like kind of, we just kind of, they were meaningless, man. It was just like, we both felt different. Just when you really break it all down the bullshit and like fundamentally what resonated with us and what was at the core of our like senses and who we are as people, there's just a lot of different like emotional feelings about the way the world is. And and we don't have to believe the same thing. Yep. Yeah, I don't know, man. True. So what's up with you, dude? Dude, I just uh, just rolled back into the city of Indianapolis um, after being gone for a long time. How long have you been gone for? About a year and a half. We we decided we were like kind of in the middle of our young adult life with careers and um, lots of friends and all of that and a house. And, and we kind of freaked out and decided let's uh, we, we still got a lot more to see. We've got a lot more to do. Um, I guess it's like a quarter life crisis. So we just um, took all the steps that were necessary to, to like free up our life just temporarily. Um, and it was really good. I would definitely recommend it. If, if you have that inkling, if you're like me, only if you're like me. Yeah. Yeah, dude, that's it. It's your, um, you're, you're a curious person. And I'm sure a lot of that, traveling was probably pretty uncomfortable and there were times where you were like i want to go home but you you had to do it um for your for yourself and to know what it's like is that does that make sense is that do you connect with that yeah yeah it's about having that itch and like whether or not you're gonna scratch it and we had that itch for a couple of years and 
you know, when you first think about it, like we, we want to see a lot of places, like what if there's just some amazing place that we'd really like to live or, um, what if we have kids soon and like, we'll never know what it's like to just live out of a van or something and go to national park. So instead of like looking away from that and thinking that's unreasonable, I got to stick to like some other plan that society has decided is the most responsible. We just thought this is an itch that I don't think is going away, but scratch it. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's like a curse, man. Cause I'm the same, you know, like yeah. I've, I've put myself in so many miserable situations just cause I had to know, um, how, what kind of, what kind of misery, how does that misery feel? You know? Do you, do you think that ultimately you're happy for each one of those, even the misery? Oh, dude. Yes. That where I've really grown in my life and learned um, and gotten better perspective are the times where I was utterly miserable, man. Like, and I, that's an awesome lesson I've learned is like, wow, when things are bad, I know I'm growing and I'm going to come out the other side and get better for it. Um, and, you know, I mean, there have been times in my life where I've looked the other way and I've avoided the misery and try to figure something out and, and like try to stay away from it. But then, you know, ultimately I've just embraced it and tried it out, tried different things, um, stuck them out. And yeah, I'm, I'm who I am and I'm happier and I'm better now for the, you know, embracing the curiosity and you know, really diving into it. Cause I think even, right. even the awful things, man, even, I mean, I haven't been through a whole lot of, you know, really, I mean, no, no huge traumatic event in my life, but the small ones I've had, I, I know it's just as a person, you just, the more misery you go through, the less big of a deal it is. And the more grateful you are for the times when you're not miserable. Right. Yeah. But I mean, you didn't, I mean, most of these circumstances, it's not like you sought out misery, like in, in wanting to live out of a van or what we ended living out of, which was a 13 foot trailer. Uh, we weren't seeking it because it was misery and it would make us stronger. We were seeking it because we thought it would be awesome. And I would imagine that most of what you have sought out and maybe ended up with some misery was what you thought would be awesome. Yeah, yeah, but it's, you know, in, in both cases, man, yeah, but it's the risk. It's the risk because you do it and you think, hey, this could be awesome, you know. Let's get this right. trailer. Let's, you know, live out of this trailer for, you know, six to nine months or whatever it is, you know, like, let's do it. Let's yeah. try it out. Um, and, you, I mean, you knew, like, the things you ran into that were shitty, you probably suspected that those shitty things would happen. Um, but you know now, man. Like, yeah, you're right. And they're like everything I've done, it's been I've had delusions of grandeur that things were gonna be better than they were. Some things turned out really well, but some things didn't. But um I did it, man. And that's something I take a lot of pride in. That's something you should take a lot of pride in. Um you know you're a better person, you're a smarter person more empathetic person now than you were before you were 
you know, just kind of living, you know, doing a different lifestyle. Yeah. I, I think that is the best lesson or like the, what I would definitely tell someone that was thinking about a major change that or like, you know, scratching the, the itch that they've had for a long time is that it, even if it does go poorly, you can't, I, I don't think you can lose. Um, because we definitely, we definitely had concerns going into it. It's concerning quitting your job that pays you a salary and gives you vacation time and, and provides you like a comfortable life. Um, some would say that's ill-advised. Uh, it was scary renting out our home. There's a giant liability there. Like our renters could have torn our place up um, and, and on and on and on. Uh, it's a lot of driving. Like what if we got in a horrific car accident that we just wouldn't have gotten into if we had just stayed at home. Uh, but, but for, for most of those things, um, and for, for the things that did inevitably go wrong over the last year and a half while we were traveling, it, it was worth it because now at the end, the itch has been scratched. And I guess the car accident was a bad example because, uh, Really what I want to say is like, as long as you're not dead or like seriously infirmed at the end, uh, it was a success. Yeah, dude, I even look at that though. Like sometimes I've seen people, you know, getting like a car accident or something and come out better on the other side and be grateful for that too. It's something I've been thinking yeah. about too. It's just like, yeah, I know. And I, I think that too, you know, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Like, you know, to make that more literal, what doesn't like really inhibit your standard of living makes you stronger. But I've even seen people encounter stuff like that and come out weirdly better on the other side, even though that's so difficult to do. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think that's a good point. I mean, how uh, many like I mean, how many miserable people do we know that have tons of money? Like I I don't know. It's and I think a lot of people I mean, I'm going to make a generalization, but a lot of people are in like counseling and are in therapy that have had like very good lives, and I think a lot of that I this is me and I'm like I'm just going to say it, man. I think a lot of this like middle class depression and mental illness comes from a lack of perspective and a lack of experience and a lack of taking risks in life and getting out of your comfort zone and really becoming more empathetic, seeing different sides of the world and seeing different sides of not even like necessarily traveling, but really have taken risks and gotten to some really gotten into some real tough times. I think it's a, I think this is a cause of it, man. Yep. Yeah. Ultimately, yeah. It's, I, I don't think people are meant to be bored. I don't think they're meant to be uh, like lackadaisical. I think, I think we're meant to like go after things and challenge ourselves and go through tough times. I think ultimately we're better off for it. I agree. I do. Um, I, yeah. Yeah. 
that said, I I definitely after last year, I'm definitely excited like to go back to some sort of like orderly life again. Yeah. But I definitely the lesson I learned was that it's uh, it's good to go, do the things that that are on your mind that are on your heart. <laughs> like do, do the things that you're really feeling like you should do. Um, figure out a way to make it work responsibly, ideally. Yeah. But uh, it was, yeah, we'll definitely never regret this year, even if we're not better off financially or if it's like through kinks in certain plans um it's it's ultimately like we'll never ever regret it yeah i yeah i think yeah i i i really i don't know man i really think that's what it's what it's all about it's just that like you said humans you're not meant to be bored and we live at this um I don't know, at this state in in the world we live in, in the time we live in, it's very easy. Like your your needs are met, right? You can yep. you can pretty easily get an apartment, sleep in a bed with and sleep in a, like sleep in an apartment with like temperature control and eat food that won't make you sick. So you know, like we're blessed in that way. So like find Find something. It's work to find something you're passionate about. It's work to be curious. It's work to pursue something and fail, right? Mm-hmm. So you gotta just get out. I don't know. That's what it is. It's just like, man, I hate it when people are like, yeah, I don't know what I'm doing with my life. I don't know. Like, I'm just confused about like what I should do. And I'm like, that's not, that's you. That's your fault. That's on you. That's not no one's responsibility but your own to like try things, experience things and find your passion. That's not you know what I mean? Like I just so frustrating. Yeah. It's like, yeah, man, it's hard and it, it takes effort. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I I will say so the the biggest the biggest takeaway for me from the year other than the obvious lessons of like do the thing that you think you should do was, um, so my, the way we were funding it was that, um, Carly, my wife was working as a travel nurse, um, every few months as we moved around and, and then we were obviously living for the, like on the cheap in this little trailer that we dragged around behind our car. And, uh, I wasn't, doing a lot. I wasn't, um, staying super productive. Um, I couldn't get jobs in the towns we went to because every couple days we were going off and backpacking or like going on long bike rides or hiking or leaving town and visiting friends in other countries. Uh, and I will say that when I would tell people that like, Oh, that I was, I was taking a year off from working. I did like a little freelance work and stuff, but for the most part, I wasn't working. They would all say like, Oh, that's awesome, man. Like, what? like that's a dream retirement. (laughs) 
And it honestly wasn't that cool. It, uh, it kind of like, it kind of was draining and I will always carry it with me that like, I think ultimately what I took away from this time of like travel and, uh, visiting all these like cool cities in the U S and all this, it's best experienced, um, in the context of like an already productive and busy life. Um, I guess it kind of goes back to that, that we're meant to be challenged and busy, but that was absolutely my experience was that after a while, things just get a tiny bit more dull, everything. Um, because it's so, it's such a normal existence now to just like, you know, in over the last year and a half to be like waking up in some beautiful spot and going and looking at one more waterfall and all this stuff. And what I'm not trying to say is that stuff isn't awesome and amazing. And that I'm, I wish I hadn't done it because I'm definitely glad I did, but I will, I will now know for the rest of my life, like I will enjoy this more when I also have this like productive and fulfilling life with like a busy career, like a busy job. Um, because I remember like the height of experience when we were both really busy in our jobs and we would take some time off and go do a vacation for a week. It was better, honestly. It was better than like living out of a trailer and going from national park to national park doing hikes all day because it was in the context of like this. You, you knew where it fell. You knew the place in your life that it existed and there was something really satisfying and fulfilling about that. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, man. That's it. It's context. It's it's like contrast between one thing and another. It's um, you know, as people if people party all the time and they don't have to work or anything, eventually, like you don't want to party anymore. It's that's the norm. Right. Um, yeah. but you know, like uh, even I mean, even like uh, something as simple as eating eating uh like good food all the time, like going for lunch. Like I could go to like a Chipotle equivalent every day for lunch. And that would have been like a real treat when I was in high school or college. But now, dude, that's my life, man. I eat Chipotle or an equivalent expense meal every day of my life, man. And it's, I still look forward to it. I still have a gratitude for it, but it's not the same. It's not the same thrill, man. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much everything can, uh, become mundane you see this with people that become rich and wealthy what was it that uh it's like a jim carrey quote isn't it he said uh i wish everyone could become rich and famous so they'd recognize it it's not like what they should want yeah i wish everyone i think it's uh shoot what is it i wish everyone could have what they want so they know that, that that's why they yeah i don't know yeah oh, people nice. get i it. definitely butchered it <laughs> dude so i just uh, too. You, yours at least was a complete thought <laughs> i just applied what i want <laughs> yeah yeah i wish everyone could have what they want so they know that that wasn't it or something but yeah yeah but i mean i do think they're i mean i'll speak to my own experience man i feel there's a lot of stuff in life that i've got and I am very grateful for 
and I was very miserable that I didn't have it. And I'm very grateful to have it now. Like, um, I live yeah. in my own apartment. I have my own car. I, uh, I can eat Chipotle every day if I want to. I can do whatever I want. I can visit my family whenever I want. I have the money to do that. Um, and these are, dude, those are all things. I, I'm good. I'm, I have yeah. those things that I wanted. Um, I have, you know, I, I'm doing this. I have a podcast. I do uh, creative stuff I want, you know, and I'm good, dude. I, I, these are things I wanted and I strive to have. Uh, I got them now and I am happy. Sure. Yeah. But I mean, even that can change. For sure. I, I agree though. I mean, there, there's definitely like the, a background to life that's kind of that you want. That it's, it's more about like survival and basic contentedness. Um, like for me, I I feel pretty confident that I'm I'm going to be much more content in my life when I have a kitchen again, living out of this trailer. Yeah. We're like cooking on uh, like a little camp stove for every single meal, and I am I am excited to like have a kitchen that I can walk around in, and there's like storage for pots and pans. Um, th- these are things. I don't know. I don't think that's quite like what the quote's about. You know what I mean? It's about like these bigger things. I think these things that we hold on a pedestal mainly because society has them on a pedestal, like riches and fame. And in our case, like this, um, this road life or whatever van life on Instagram, it's this, it's presented as this like, perfect thing that's going to satisfy you and solve all your problems. And it does for a while. I mean, the rush of like starting that and doing it, for the, I mean, it, it, it wrote us out for a long time. Um, it was amazing, but it definitely, even that can settle into um, being mundane. Yeah. So maybe someday you'll find it really mundane that you live in Los Angeles and do a podcast and work for a software company. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there, I mean, honestly though, um, these weren't things I ever aspired to, you know? Um, yeah, it was, you know what I mean? They were, these weren't even like really aspirations um, I've had those kind of ridiculous aspirations and of like fantasizing, but I've also, I've done that. And I've also, I don't know. I think I'm better at looking. I see things and for better, or for worse, I'm good at seeing what the shitty parts of that existence looks like. Yeah. I know what the other side, the non Instagram side of the coin is. So do you think you save yourself some misery by not even trying those things because you could recognize the misery ahead of time? Um, yeah, let's say, you know, okay, like I'll go, um, like if I go on a vacation, right? So I like to vacation and I like to go to like a weird wacky place and go on a tour. Um, and I see the pictures from the tour and I, you know, the advertisements and stuff. 
And, you know, from a lot of people's perspective, it looks like, wow, this is going to be, they have this idea of them on the Great Wall or like at Machu Picchu or in the Amazon. I'm very, when I go on a vacation like that, I'm, dude, I'm aware that like a lot of it's going to suck and I'm going to be relieved to be home. Um, And and I don't go because I have this weird idea of what it's going to be like and how magical it's going to be. It's, it's kind of, you know what I mean? I, mean, I just know it's going to force me out of my comfort zone. Like whenever I book a trip, I just kind of book it and I go on a tour because I don't want to think about it. I don't want to fantasize about it. I just want to be thrown into something out of my comfort zone for, you know, two weeks. So yeah, I don't do that whole like fantasize thing because I know a lot of it's going to be like being sweaty on a train. You know, <laughs> yeah, it's so true. Even, oh man, I've, <laughs> yeah, it's definitely true. I've been looking at like the most beautiful sites and I'm, I'm just thinking about like how I hope someone's not breaking into my car because I left my camera out on the sea or something, you know, yeah. like it's, it's so, it's so true that it's not, nothing is the height of experience you're imagining it all actually just feels like real life when you get there and there's a lot of sweaty trains in between yeah yeah that's uh that's kind of it that's kind of life is sweaty trains it's it's the sitting you know waking up kind of warm in your trailer and a little uncomfortable and not having enough elbow room to like make an omelet. It's, you know, it's just life is 24 hours a day and it's not all great, you know? Yeah. This is, this is way better than Jim Carrey quote, by the way. Yeah. Oh dude, we're profound, man. (laughs) I'm going to type this up and put a black and white photo of his face. Uh, on Facebook. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's that um you know, that's what it is, man. When I when I anything I do, I'm I I honestly I don't really look forward to anything that much either cuz I'm very aware of that a lot of there's just like it's just time. It's like minutes going by. And they're not always great, you know? It's not this, in your head, you see four minutes of an experience and it's you laughing and, you know, doing something crazy and, like, being awestruck or something. You see this, like, quick, like, three or four frames of an entire two weeks, right? You don't cut to the frame of you being sweaty on a bus, you know? Right. Dude, how miserable. We I mean we did some traveling together. We've been pretty miserable, man. We've been oh, super yeah. miserable a lot of cool places. Yeah. Yeah. It's been funny like uh traveling now with my wife and we don't we we have like a really uh we're like very content in our relationship. We like almost never fight or argue about anything. But the like stresses of traveling, we've been some hilarious places that have been angry at each other. Like just these like most the most amazing places. Uh 
um, like the Eiffel Tower or something, and we're standing at the bottom, like arguing because we like hadn't been able to figure out the subway up until that time, you know? It's <laughs> it's like it's just so real. It's such a real life. Um, and then you pose for a picture, and somebody takes it, and you put it up on Instagram, and say some witty thing about Paris, and that's what people get the impression that life is. <laughs> Even though they know that it's not, that's what's so funny. Yeah. Yeah. It is funny. It's, there's misery anywhere you can go. You know, there's, it's all, <laughs> I don't know. It's when people are like, oh, I hate LA. I hate New York. I hate Moses Lake. It's like, nah, all right, you hate your own existence you know like (laughs) you can be like yeah like you know i didn't there wasn't a lot to do there's no wi-fi like but there's parts of it but when people are like like people that say oh i hate la oh i hate it so much it's the worst i'm like it's good it's a good town there's a lot of stuff here you know it's You had a bad experience. You fought with your wife because you couldn't figure out the train. Now you hate L.A. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that's it. But, but even all that said about, like, life being misery and, uh, and like, things not being as great as they seem, it's still, like, the lesson still remains that it's it, you, like, still got to go grab it. Like, you still got to go seek out the stuff that you feel like you should do. For most people, maybe it's not living out of a van um, in like in driving out west, but it's something, and there is a very good likelihood that some of it will be miserable, and that some of it will be unpleasant, and you won't always be learning something, but uh, in hindsight, it will always, always be good. Yeah. Yeah. Even that memory of LA of the couple that got on the site because they couldn't figure it out and now they hate LA. Yeah. I bet they still got something out of it. Yeah. I hope so. I think I think a lot of that's um if you're willing to like reflect on something and I don't be a uh what's the word? I mean I guess it's just self reflection. Just look back on something and say, Why did we why do we hate LA? Certainly it's not the weather. Certainly it's not lack of Mexican food. Maybe we just had a bad moment there, you know? Maybe, you know, if you can just break it down, like, why you don't like something. Yeah. Yep, that's true. Um, well, right on, man. This has, been, this has been fun, dude. Thanks for doing this. Yeah, totally. Happy to do it, man. What you want to plug? Dude, I got nothing to plug anymore. I'm like, I'm starting a new, I'm starting a new thing in my life, and I've shut out all my creative projects for a while. Plug your uh, your law firm that you're gonna start. <laughs> yeah, I'm uh, I'm going to law school in the state of Minnesota, so come check me out there and hire me um, for a job that I'll like. Yeah. Cool. Well, let me, let yeah, me know if you get a job. To this That'd be the best if someone's like, oh, yeah, dude, I heard you on the anecdotal <laughs> experience. Um, I know you haven't even 
like started school yet, but <laughs> do you want to like be a lawyer? <laughs> if that happened, we can only help. If that happened, for sure, don't take that job. <laughs> <laughs> Something is really wrong. It's probably like Rand Barnaclo. <laughs> yep. Um. Well, cool, man. Uh, let's let's just pretend to hang up the phone. Sure. All right. Later, man. Say goodbye to everyone. Good talking to you. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye.